0: Evan Lazar here, Patriots insider and host of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. As always, our content is powered by our exclusive wagering partners, betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome deposit. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass, I'm Evan Lazar. Alongside with me is Alex Barth, as always, and hopefully my voice makes it through the rest of this show, because I can already tell that it is about to go after three straight days of being on air for both of us, it seems hopefully like. I,
1: I make it through this show.
0: I uh, I, <laughs> I went out for my morning coffee run this morning, Alex, and I, I heard the, the the great voice of real Alex Barth on 98.5 this morning with Ted Johnson, yep. so we're, we're both grinding away here and uh, We're going to discuss the day three picks for the Patriots in the draft. That's going to be the focus of this show. If you want to go watch us break down Cole Strange or Tyquan Thornton and Marcus Jones on day two, we already did those podcasts on uh, Friday and on Saturday, so you can go ahead and see in-depth in breakdowns on those guys. We are going to circle back at the end of the show and discuss the draft as a whole and that, we'll get into the top picks again uh, at that point as well. But I want to start with the Day 3 guys. Uh, those are the guys that we haven't talked about, at least since they've been drafted by the Patriots. And we'll start right here at 4 twenty one. 21 Alex. Fourth-round pick, cornerback Jack Jones from Arizona State. Probably the most predictable pick of the entire draft for the Patriots just d- due to the fact that the Patriots – did a immense amount of public homework on the player. It's one of the first times I can remember uh, in a long time where the Patriots were all over the player in the pre-draft process and then they ended up actually drafting him with a top 150 pick. You know, sometimes we hear about these guys and they end up coming here as UDFAs or sixth rounders or something like that. But to have a top 30 visit, then have a visit in Tempe in uh, Arizona with Jack Jones, and then to actually make the pick here in the fourth round, this one was the most predictable pick of the draft. I was actually a little surprised by this.
1: I was not, not totally surprised. They took him. I, cause he wasn't the only Arizona state corner. They worked out, right. They worked yeah. out. Yeah. Chase Lucas. I actually liked Lucas better. I liked Lucas better and I thought they would like Lucas better. I really did. So I'm not surprised. Like, like overall, I didn't see Jack Jones name be like, really? They took him, but I don't know. I thought Lucas, especially in that spot made a lot more sense. I, I, I don't entirely hate the pick. Um, you know, I think Jones comes with a high floor, which they need a corner. They need a guy who right. can play right away. Uh, three years of experience, three years of full-time experience in the pack 12. I just, I don't know. That was kind of my initial reaction was not not Lucas. Like that. I think I texted you that. I think I texted you, not Chase Lucas. So yeah. um not a bad player. I just I'd be interested in, in I didn't get a chance to ask Matt Grover yesterday. And it's it's a tough question to really ask, you know, player versus player, but um I, I'd be
0: interested to know why why they took Jones and not Lucas. So I think the main reason why they took him is what you mentioned was upside. This is a five-star recruit at a high school played at yeah. USC, played well at USC for his first two years as a freshman and sophomore. We know about the off field issues. Uh, we just lost Alex. We'll get him back here. In Oops, sorry get about that. I'm back. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, we know about the off field issues with Jack Jones. And I think that's where the top 30 visit and the visit to Arizona come into play to vet the player, to talk to him, make sure that it, his head's on right and that he's going to be focused on football When I watch him on tape, honestly, I I think he's got a lot of talent. His cover talent is really, really good, especially in man coverage. Uh, He's got that ability to really live in the shirt, in the uh, hip pocket, in the shirt of the receiver. He can mirror receivers all over the field. Uh, He's in phase a lot. There's not a whole lot of plays where he's struggling to keep up or behind the player, and he has really good ball skills, 10 career interceptions, uh, 30 pass breakups, and you see that burst and that ability to get his hands into passing lanes. So I think there's a lot of talent here with Jack Jones. And look, I've seen a lot of uh, draft grades, value charts things like that over the last 24 hours since the draft ended uh, really not even 24 hours uh since the draft ended and jack jones was another one of those picks that a lot of people saw as a reach right it, a lot of people thought that he was going to go later on in the draft but i look at it and i say well in the past when the patriots have really liked a player like jack jones at corner specifically they probably reach on him in the second round Right. So at at least they waited to 121 to make the pick that they were probably going to make the whole draft. Right. I this was their guy to play outside corner in this draft and they went and got him. I think that he's got some really good coverage skills, especially in man, like I said. And I'm I'm getting to be okay with this one. I I think this is a pretty solid uh, player in terms of talent. I like Chase Lucas a little bit as well, but I think that they view Jack Jones as a guy that has starter level upside, and I'm not sure if Chase Lucas will ever get there.
1: So I, I, I think with Jones, the thing with Jones you you look at, if you want to hang your hat on this pick, is they have a history. One of the things I think they like to target are highly, and not I think, like I know there's a tendency to this. It's in the right. books. They like to target highly ranked high school recruits who for one reason or another don't pan out in college. And I think they basically like to bring these guys in and say, well, what was there in high school that for whatever reason, that potential, why wasn't it tapped into in college? Can we tap into it? JC Jackson was that guy. Yeah. In terms of background, this is actually very, very similar player where JC Jackson was at Florida he got in some legal trouble. He ended up transferring out of Florida, ended up at Maryland, went undrafted. And then they took him at JC Jackson. I don't remember if he, if the, by the time recruiting day came around, he was number one, but for a solid chunk of his, of his senior season, in high school, he's the number one recruit in his class. Yeah. And Jack Jones is, I don't think he was number one, but again, it's the same thing where he's a five-star recruit. And yeah. obviously that potential wasn't recognized at, at USC and then Arizona state, but The Patriots see that and say, well, there's something here. There's clearly something here. Can we tap into maybe what that detour the year off Juco that might've like put them off the track. Can we put them back on the track? I think that's the, that's the thought process here again. And I feel this way with a lot of the picks they made throughout the three days, the NFL drafts about adding good players. They added good players. The questions for me are more about the guys they didn't add, you know, Somebody in the chat brought up Khalil Shakir. I look at this point in the draft, whether it's uh, Jalen Moore Davis, whether it's Zion McCollum, whether it's Tariq Woolen. right? To me, it's about, you know, there's going to be, a this draft is the potential to have a lot of revisionist history. I think Jack Jones can play. It's just, did they take, I, I think they took a guy. It's just, did they take the right guy?
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to be playing that game, I think, with this draft, like you said, for pretty much every pick that they made. I, yeah. I would say with Cole Strange, it's not necessarily comparing him to players at his position. It's just comparing him to players that went in that Daxton, range. Hit, Daxton Hill is going to be the one. Right. Daxton Hill went after him. Quay Walker went a pick after the Patriots original pick. Trent right. McDuffie went with the pick the Patriots traded to Kansas City. Kyrie Elam went to Buffalo a few picks after Quay Walker. So those are going to be the guys that you're going to say, OK, well, you had in this 10 pick range, we had all this defensive talent and, and we took the guard. It's not so much about Cole Strange. It's not so much even about the guard position. Uh, It's just really more about who they could have taken. With Tyquan Thornton in the second round, Sky Moore, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, they all went in that 10 to 15 pick range. So we'll see. It's going to, for better or worse, that's what these guys are up against. They're up against comparing the guys that at their position specifically, in most cases, the guys that went around them and, and the guys that were clustered around them on the board. All right, let's uh, move on to the running back uh, that the Patriots selected in the fourth round, 127, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. This is one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. I love this pick.
1: Pierre. Wait, Strong, hang pick. on, hang on, hang on. We need to stop here for a second. There we go. The running back was one of your favorite picks of the entire that, draft. That tells, Look that how tells I'm me, so
0: proud of you, Evan. Look how far you've come. Look at uh, this. That tells you how I feel about the draft as a whole. When the running back is my favorite pick of the draft, that's how, that's how you can tell that I'm lukewarm, to say the least, on what they did over the last three days. But Pierre Strong, nevertheless, what I love so much about this pick is, well, it's two things. One, I love that they focused and they actually, what's the word? they they held true to what they said when they said that they wanted speed right they said they wanted to get faster they said they wanted to get more explosive and right. here they come in with a 4-3-7 running back with 10 touchdowns of 50 plus yards on his tape at South Dakota State that nine
1: nine uh, three-four RAS score too
0: yeah 15 carries of 30 plus yards last year 811 yards after contact this is a guy that breaks tackles and then hits home runs right and yeah. that's something that I think that Damian Harrison Ramondre Stevenson might not necessarily have in their bag those guys are great running backs they're great slashers I would say they can break off 15 20 yard runs and and they're very very good runners don't get me wrong But Pierre Strong is a true home run threat with the football. And that is not something that they had in that running back room. So I really like this pick for the Patriots. I also wouldn't just he only had 62 catches throughout his career at uh, South Dakota State. I wouldn't completely write him off as a pass catcher by any means, though. I think this guy's got so much physical talent that uh, he will develop as a pass catcher. And he did show some flashes at the shrine bowl of being able to catch the football and run routes and things like that. So I think that Pierre strong is they're viewing Pierre strong in my mind as more of a do it all back and somebody like a, he's going to be better or or have a higher upside, but just off of maybe Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, like those types of guys are the, are the role that I think they have in mind for this kid, not, Sony Michelle where we're just going to put him on the field on first down and have him run on first and 10.
1: Yeah. I, I faster Rex Burkett is kind of the comp I've,
0: I've yeah.
1: made for him. I I love the pick too. A lot of people were wondering, you know, I, for, I don't know why a lot of people are saying they don't need a running back. They absolutely needed a running back.
0: We've been mocking running backs to them. Not that we got the right one, but obviously, but we've been mocking running backs. Belger to them has per- Big Board did though. Oh yeah. Uh, um, we've been mo- we've been mocking running backs to them for months, right? I mean, we've been talking right. about them drafting a running back on day three for for 12 weeks on this program. Yeah.
1: And, and look, we'll get into some of this when we talk about Kevin Harris, too. Not every running back does the same things. They have right. multiple needs at the running back position. It's the early down in the pass catching back. Strong can probably do both. But you need, realistically, four or five running backs to get through a season. Yeah. We, we've seen it kill them a couple of times, multiple years. We've seen it kill them not having enough backs. They have really two like de- definite NFL running backs on the roster right now in Harrison Stevenson. James White, no disrespect to him.
0: He's coming off a serious, serious hip injury. We don't know where he's at. Yeah, so... Mike Reese actually wrote about James White this morning on his notes column, and he said that yeah. he's still got a ways to go to come okay, back from a so hip
1: surgery. Okay, so we – I don't when I say they have two NFL backs, James White is obviously an NFL talent. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. We don't know that he's going to be ready to play to start the season.
0: We don't even know if he's going to be back to the same guy that he was right, pre-injury. Yeah. That's one of those injuries, you know, uh, Doc Jess Didi does a great job with injuries in sports in Boston specifically. And yeah. she said at the time when he'd had the injury and the and the official injury was uh, announced as the hip subluxation that some guys at that age especially it, they're never the same after that. And I hope that's not the case with James White, but the Patriots right. as an organization have to plan in advance that that might not be the case.
1: So you have, you have Harrison Stevenson who are legit, but neither one, I think, I think they both can be pass catchers. The Patriots just don't use them like that. Yeah. Um, but you have James White, who you don't know. I'm I'm not counting on JJ Taylor for anything. I know we bulked up and that's great. He hasn't made any headway in two years. And then divine on Zigbo is a practice squad guy. Right. So you need four or five backs to get through the year. They had two. They absolutely needed at least one back. I think Pierre Strong can do it. Um, I'm not writing off as a pass catcher either. You mentioned that the numbers aren't necessarily there. Well, South Dakota State doesn't throw the ball a ton in general. I'm not right. sure if the opportunities were there for him to build the numbers, but I think he has the skills needed to be a pass catching back. He sees the field well. He's yeah. got good footwork. I think he's big enough to be a blocker too. He's, what, 5'11", 202. That's enough to to get the job done in pass pro. They'll coach him up there. So I I really like this pick. I really do. I think he's the kind of guy who's going to contribute in in their offense for a long time. Um, one of my favorite picks of the draft. Probably my favorite pick on day three. I still yeah. really like the Marcus Jones pick. I, I really like the Saquon Thornton pick too. But um, again, they got speed. Not he's not just like straight line fast either. That 40 time Having watched him, I didn't think of him as like an elite 40 guy. He's more, he's a guy characterized more as quick than fast, like the yeah. short area quickness. Yeah. So he, this,
0: his lateral cuts are Deion Lewis esque, right? Yeah. He, no, he gets in and out of his, he puts his foot in yeah. the ground and he, he goes. So yeah. the I one stealing th- comp that I heard from a lot of people that I talked to with him was LaShawn McCoy, which I see. Oh, that's an I interesting one. Right, you see the slitheriness, you see the jump cut ability. You know, LaShawn McCoy's yeah. uh, Twitter handle is cut on a dime, right? Yeah. And you kind of see that ability with Pierre, Pierre Strong a little bit. I, I don't hate that. I don't want to I, – I wrote an article on sealness.com about – with player comps for all 10 of the guys, right? And yeah. I wouldn't go there because LaShawn McCoy to me is an awesome player. Like that guy was the bee's well, that's, knees. That's the ceiling there. comp. right. So I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on a guy like right. Pierre Strong, right? I, I see a little bit of Lamar Miller in his game as well, just in terms okay. of the straight line speed. Lamar Miller was a four-four guy coming out. He's a track guy. Uh, he's also bigger, isn't he? Yeah. Lamar Miller's like a big guy. Yeah, it, Yeah, he's maybe a little bit bigger, but Miller also was pretty good at catching the football as well. And he was yeah. a do-it-all back for the Texans for a while. There's also maybe a little bit of C.J. Spiller in his game, too. I saw that in the chat. I could see that as well. But the one that I am hoping, if he hits his ceiling as a player and he develops into the guy that I'm hoping he will, is is Shady. I, I think there's a little bit of that in his game. And you watched him at the Shrine Bowl. I know it's just a screen pass. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, a a route that he ran and got open at the top and made a move and got open or whatever. But at the Shrine Bowl, he took a screen pass, I think 70 yards to the house and they clocked him at like 21 miles an hour in the open field. So this is a guy that can definitely run. Uh, He can run, he can create big plays. And now they've got two guys in Thornton and Pierre Strong that, they put those guys on the field. They now have some real speed. Not not like oh Kendrick Bourne's fast for a guy that runs four five five, right? <laughs> like we're right. talking about some guys that ran track and some guys that that could maybe be on the U.S. Olympic team in another life. So that's that's something that I think that uh, Patriots fans should be really excited about.
1: Yeah. No. Again, I I mean I'll I'll stick with my faster faster Rex Burkhead comp for where he is right now, but. Um... This was a good pick, and we'll, we'll we'll get to the other running back in a little bit. But this was a good pick.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is my favorite pick. Like I said, I know you're giving me a hard time about the running back being my favorite pick, but next you're going to tell me the punter was your favorite UDFA. No, but the guy. know that, he's
1: not. I know who your favorite.
0: I. Look, I, I know who your
1: favorite UDFA was. But.
0: I got to stay true to you know the Patriots stayed true to their board, right, Alex? I got to yeah. stay true to my board and what I watched out of these guys beforehand. And Pierre Strong was easily one of my favorite running backs that they could have drafted. To, Outside of the top 100. And on my board, this is exactly where he should have been drafted by the Patriots, too. So, one of the best value picks in terms of lining up where he should have gone and where he did go. It's exact fourth round, Pierre Strong. That was exactly what I was hoping to see from them. Okay. The next one here 137. I 110% understand why the Patriots want to keep the running back room or excuse me, quarterback room staffed. I understand why they want yeah. depth at quarterback. I understand that they've done this in the past. 10 quarterbacks drafted when Tom Brady was on the roster. A handful of those were guys before Brady became 40 years old and was starting to age. And we're not just talking about Jared Stidham's and, and stuff like that. We're talking about majority going, were top
1: 150 picks.
0: Yeah. Going back a ways, Rohan Davy, Kevin O'Connell, you know, guys like that. Ryan Mallett. Those players were all drafted high too but this the reason why I'm I don't really understand the Bailey Zappi pick is because to me Bailey Zappi is 110% a long-term backup in the NFL. I don't think there's starter upside with this player. And I'm not saying the Patriots need a starting quarterback, but if you're going to draft a quarterback in a in the 4th round, I at least want him to potentially have that in his bag, right? Because eventually he could become a trade asset just like Jimmy Garoppolo was just like Jacoby Brissett was. And when he gets to the end of his rookie contract and Mac is making pro bowls, like we all hope he is, then he, I I don't know if long-term backup, whereas where I I compared him to Nick Mullins, I kind of feel like they sort of see it as he could be our next Brian Hoyer. He could be our, back up to Mac Jones for the next 20 years. Right. And yeah. that's valuable. I get that. But in the fourth round, I, I felt like they could have gone in a different direction. I thought there was just too much talent still on the board, especially on defense where they still could have added a guy that could have made an impact as a rookie or in a second year on the defensive side of the ball and actually played, or you hope that Bailey Zappi never has to play. Right. That's so, that's right. Point. So I, I, I agree
1: with you in that. I, I don't, I like to pick. I like Bailey Zappi. I've been on record yeah. as liking Bailey Zappi. My my question is: Khalil Shakir, Zion McCollum, Tariq Woolen. Right. Like, is there a better direction they could have gone? That being said, they they take quarterbacks in the one hundred and fifty. This is what they do. They either take guys in the top one hundred and fifty or they sign guys undrafted. They're not really interested in doing late day three quarterbacks historically. This was as late as they were going to take a quarterback. I think Zappi. Has as much starter upside as any quarterback that was on the board at that point, short of maybe Carson Strong, who is just wild, like, floor-ceiling disparity, right? I don't know that Carson Strong could end up being a good starter. He also could end up failing out of league in two years. right? right? Zappy's going to be a good, like, everybody, Sam Howell, Sam Howell. Sam Howell's not good. I don't know why he was ever considered to be the first overall pick. Because he was surrounded by so much damn talent. Yeah, no, I know why. It's, yeah. it's, you got to stop with the ranking. The only reason people thought Sam Howell should go over Bailey Zappi is because that's what the the expert ranking said. Yeah, Sam Howell, anybody who watched college football, anybody who watched UNC, they lost all that talent. Sam Howell fell off in every single time. UNC was in a close game this year. Howell lost them the game. Pick fumble, bad pass, whatever. Sam Howell wasn't the guy. It was it was it was Bailey Zappi, Carson Strong, Caleb Ellaby. Those were right, the only three right. guys I was interested in. Yeah, the reason I, I think so. Here, here, here's here's one school. Here's two schools of thought with your backup quarterback. You either want a guy who is a carbon copy of your starter, or you want a guy who's a complete opposite to help on the scout team and maybe be like a, a package guy, right? Like Taysom Hill. Right. Bailey, Bailey, and they have the opposite action now in Derek King, but Bailey Zappi is, you know, I call Caleb LB Mac Mac Jones. Bailey Zappi is C-U-S-A Mac Jones. Like, right. that's what he is. He doesn't have the monster arm, but he's very accurate. He knows what he's looking at. He's very poised. He's got, remember when we were all surprised when we found out Mac sort of had that little bit of swagger to him? Bailey Zappi's kind of got that thing going on too, where he you can tell he has fun playing the game. Um, he's yeah, the, the the pro comp for him has been Chase Daniel. I think that's spot on. You need a good backup quarterback. They got one. Should they have gone with the slot receiver, corner? We can have that conversation. Bailey Zappi is a player. If they were going to take a quarterback in that spot is the right pick. I wanted nothing yeah. to do with Sam Howell. I want nothing to do with Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson, people are mad the Patriots took players who were too old. Skylar Thompson's like 27. He no, I. For seven years.
0: exactly the, the, the was the, was the pick. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. Our partners at betonline continue to be the number one source For all your betting needs and sports info, find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back and the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, I don't have any problem with Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. Like that's where he was supposed to go. That's where he was the best quarterback left on the board. But the, to me, Caleb Ellaby wasn't ended up going to the Seahawks as a UDFA. He didn't even get drafted. So the value that I see there with just picking up a guy like Caleb Ellaby in the seventh round or picking him up as a UDFA or something like that versus using a top 140 pick on a quarterback. I I don't know. It just they never addressed linebacker. They never got faster in the front seven in this draft. I know that they're hoping Cam McGroan and Rayquan McMillan and the holdovers from last year will end up infusing that speed and that youth into that position. I, I get that, but I I just felt like it wasn't where they needed to go at that point of the draft. I see I, the value in a backup quarterback. I see the value in a guy like Bailey Zappi. When I watch, when I see him on tape, I, what I like about him is obviously the accuracy is there, 70% completion rate. You don't just complete 70% of your passes in a a pretty good conference in the CUSA without being accurate. But the timing and the rhythm and the anticipation that he puts on the ball and the touch that he puts on the ball is – that's – patriot-like, right? Like there's a lot of throws on his tape. Uh, I pulled one and I put it in my post where it's actually an RPO, but they pull the guard in a power RPO concept. He keeps up the football and he throws it with anticipation on the other side of the linebacker and hits his receiver in stride for a big play. Like those are the types of throws that he makes that you say, okay, that's very patriot-like. The timing, the rhythm, the accuracy, all that sort of thing is what they look for in the passing game. So I I like the, the player. It's kind of like Cole strange. Like I like the player. I just don't know if they needed to take him there. Right. There's a a couple of those picks. It's, it's, you know,
1: and and ultimately, and here's why ultimately I like the class at the end of the day, the NFL draft is about adding good football players to your team. It's a cliche, but it's true. Yeah. They, they added good football players to their team. There's like two picks. I think I really ultimately second guessed of the 10, the rest of them. I see why they made them. They're good players. It's could they have added better players that's going to be the question. I will say though on Zappy and a lot of people oh a small school quarterback what are you doing? this is and, but this is a theme actually with all of their, their I, I don't know about Sam uh, uh, not Sam um who's Sam the Roberts they took. yeah yeah Sam Roberts is different because he didn't play any FBS competition, but they're three right. non-FBS guys. I there's no stats on Cole Strange. you can probably talk about it. Cole Strange was very good against Kentucky when yes. Cole Strange played an FBS opponent. He came up big. Pierre Strong had one game against an FBS opponent this year. Colorado State had 13 carries for 138 yards and two scores. He played one of his best games of the year against an FBS opponent. Bailey Zappi against FBS opponents at Army 28 of 40, 70%, 435 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. The next week against Indiana 31 of 44, 70 and a half completion percentage. 365 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. At Michigan State, this was a ranked Spartans team. They weren't ranked at the time. They were ranked later in the year. At Michigan State, they put the game on his shoulders. 46 to 64, completed 72% of his passes, 488 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And then I'll give you one more. It's not a Power 5 team, but Evan, Appalachian State had a top 15 pass defense in college football this year. Top 15 pass defense in all of FBS. Bailey Zappi against App State in the bowl game, in which he didn't play for most of the fourth quarter because it was a blowout. So let me rephrase it. Bailey Zappi in basically three quarters against one of the best pass defenses in the country. 33 of 47, 70%, 422 yards, six touchdowns, no picks.
0: Yeah. When he He's had a league opponent. Like okay, well, I shouldn't say good play. He's a productive player. Well, no he doubt about
1: the elite opponents. He played his best games. I, yeah. I bet that's something that they had circled with the pink stripes and the numbers and the letters. They had some sort of indicator on their draft board for him for that.
0: Well, macro said it when we spoke to him last night, you would turn on the tape with Bailey Zappi. It's a lot of touchdowns. It's a lot of completions, right? It's hard not to yeah. like the kid when you see how many completions he has. Brian Hoyer's 36 years old going on 37. Jared Stidham's in a contract year and there's no reason to re-sign Jared Stidham past I, this season.
1: Look, I think, ba- I I think if somebody just asked this in the chat. It's a good question. I think right now, Bailey Zappi's a better quarterback than Jared Stidham.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, that might be fair. The one last thing I'll say about Zappi, then we're going to move on is yeah, yeah. his throwing motions a little bit unorthodox. I, I don't know if they'll tweak with it or if they'll just be like, this works for you. So we're going to let it go. But his his release timing and his, and his motion in general when you watch him on tape, it's a little funky, right? So I don't know if they'll play with it or not. The ball comes out quickly because he makes good decisions and quick decisions and he can read the defense fast. So it doesn't necessarily hinder him a ton, but I think it will be a factor more in the NFL than it was in college because that extra – 10th of a second in the NFL matters. Right. So we'll we'll see if they do something with the throwing motion. All right. Anyways, shout out, by the way, shout out to all the people in the chat saying I'm carrying
1: team, the team water for pumping up Zappy as if I haven't been doing that since October.
0: I love the kid. He's so
1: fun to watch. It's it's, it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah. Alex has been telling me about, Oh, you watch Bailey Zappy. Oh, Bailey Zappy. You gotta, you gotta, I'm gonna stay up and watch Bailey Zappy tomorrow. And I can't wait. So yeah, I I knew he was going to be all over this one. All right. Kevin Harris, 183 in the sixth round, another running back. I know everybody's why another running back. Ah, let's all go crazy. Right. Uh, but when I watched him, I, I mean, power back, right. First and second down back, very different from Pierre strong, not a speed guy. This is a very little overlap. Yeah. But has really, really good power and is really hard to bring down. He's a Mack truck with the football in his hands. I I also would have probably been a fine if they never took another running back. Right. I mean, it is what it is. But they clearly look at it and say that Harris is our early down projection. Pierre Strong is sort of our do it all receiving projection. And that's why they went Harris here later in the uh, in the draft.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like I said before, you know, why do they need so many running backs? Well, there's different positions within running back. This is true in a lot of positions. Wide receiver slot and outside. Corner is slot and outside. Safety is deep in box, right? right. You know, running back early down, uh uh pass catching back. So not a ton of overlap. Two different players. I am a little concerned with Harris in that. So I like his size. 5'11", 220 as a power back is great but he did have a back injury last year. He had a, he underwent back surgery before the season. His numbers took a dip. He's great in 2020 led the SC in rushing in 2020 has the back injury. His numbers took a dip. Uh, and it's nothing against him personally, just in general, the concept of power back with a back injury is a little worrying now. Yeah. Worried about back injuries. That's why Rob Gronkowski fell to the Patriots. That worked out fine. That doesn't mean Kevin Harris is going to be Rob Gronkowski. I just, that, that gave me pause a little bit that, you're asking this guy to run to contact, and he likes to run to contact. He's doing that with a bad back. How durable is he going to be in the NFL? Yeah, we like Hassan. He could, he could very well be a redshirt guy.
0: Yeah. We, oh, I think so, hundred percent. We we like Hassan Haskins from Michigan a lot. Hassan Haskins yeah. went a lot earlier than this. Yeah, I remember he went right after the Patriots took Pierre Strong. So, Kevin Harris, my guess is is that they had both of those guys in that early down back on their board, uh, in that mold. And when Haskins went, they decided to scoop up Harris here in the sixth round. There are definitely some runs on tape where he's got guys hanging all over him. He's running through arm tackles. Guys not, not even making business decisions, not even interested in trying to tackle him in the open field. So, there is some of... Things to be prominent, you know, excited about. My comparison uh, was Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. I feel like he's, you know, well, just because he what- doesn't fumble, a- a- one fumble that matters, that matters to them, right? I mean, one In 500 fumble. something yeah. carries, yeah, yeah. So that's going to matter. He's going to take care of the football, he's going to get what's blocked, he's going to finish runs with good power. He's not going to jump cut out of a tackle, bounce it outside, and run it for 30 yards like Pierre Strong has the chance to do. He's going to just get what's there and not just go down but be able to push the pile for an extra yard or two and go down. Right. And right. when you have a when you're projecting that you have a good offensive line and you're projecting that you have a good run game in general, those types of backs can be productive. Ben Jarvis Greenellis, I think, had a thousand yard season with the Patriots in the early 2010s, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, those types of backs that aren't dynamic, that aren't necessarily the quickest or the fastest, but just understand what's in front of them and understand how to uh, get the yards that are there. They can be productive in an offense like the Patriots that does most of the dirty work for them with the offensive line. So there you go. Uh, Kevin Harris On to the next one here, six 200, the 200th pick in the draft, the one after the Brady pick Uh, Sam Roberts here, which by the way, Cade Mays went with the Brady pick, which I love. Oh, there we go. Uh, Sam Roberts from uh, D2, uh, Northwest Missouri state. Definitely not on my radar. Had to look this kid up and figure out what was going on with him. Really interesting background though. Cliff Harris award winner, which is a non-Division one defensive player of the year. Kyle Duggar won it a couple years ago as well when the Patriots drafted him. So somebody that absolutely dominated the level of competition and I think that that's something that maybe they look at a little bit differently than other teams, clearly. Cause you know, they took a guy in the first round with Chattanooga, right. You know, uh, FCS school. So what do you think about Sam Roberts? I mean, this is really kind of a throw it out there and see what happens. Right.
1: Yeah. This is, this is what you do on, on day three, you take guys who are maybe project players or, you know, gonna, gonna, you don't know they're they're super raw but they could turn into something 6'5 292 long arms like he's got the build i think they announced him as a defensive tackle i could see him playing all across the line of sc- defensive line of scrimmage um depending on the situation so i like that the the thing that stands out i'm sure this is why he was on their board he blocked 5 kicks in 4 yeah. years in college yep they're just going to put this guy on the edge of the field goal block unit and have him go at it so look if he if so he averaged just over a block kick a year in college, if he gives you with rookie contracts, four years, if he blocks five kicks over the next four years, that's worth the 200th pick alone, kind of, isn't it? Right. So I I, look, he might be nothing. I don't know. Like he's so far away. He's a total project player, but I, 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 I like the mold. I like the mold. I think that they've got a good player to work with. We'll see how they can coach him up again, the size, the long arms, the motor, he's got all the uncoachable. So let's see what they can turn him into.
0: Yeah. I, I like the block kicks macro mentioned this too. If you're going to make the team as a sixth round pick, you're going to have to play in the kicking game, right? You're going to have to play on fourth down. You're going to have to contribute on special teams. And this kid has a knack for doing that. He also has a knack for really being able to two gap. He's got long arms. He's six foot five and you see him, be able to throw his hands really good leverage, get off the block and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage has really uh, that ability is a three, four end to be a two gapper. Right. And that's what they're looking for there. I think uh, the comp, the comp that I use was Dietrich wise, but with more run power versus the pass rush ability, he's got that same size to him. He's six foot five, 285 pounds. He's a big guy, long guy, Uh, And he knows how to use his length a little bit better than Dietrich does in the run game. Dietrich's a better pass rusher though. So we'll see what happens with this pick. Uh, It's a dart for sure. I'm not going to sit here and and spend 20 minutes on Sam Roberts, but But that's what you do at that point in the draft. He also wears a neck roll. So that's very encouraging.
1: And he's like, okay, let me fan out for a second. He he grew up a Patriots fan. There's all those tweets of him, like shit talking cheese fans and stuff. That's kind of awesome. That's pretty cool. I'm not saying it's why they drafted him or it's justification for drafting him, but let's just kind of think about that for a minute. That that's pretty freaking cool.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on here to uh, one of my favorite picks of the draft. Honestly, I I, I put this in right behind uh, uh, Pierre Strong as my favorite pick of the draft. Jason Hines from LSU would pick 210. This is exactly what. I think teams should do all the time in the sixth round of the draft or later on day three, this is a player in Hines who is easily a third or fourth rounder. If he's not injured at LSU all the time, right? He dealt with a couple of injuries. Uh, it knocked him down the board here, but when you watch him on tape, this is an absolutely explosive blocker, a, a guy that really uh, can, Bring it in the run game and has that ability to pull to get out in front of screen passes. I mean, there are a ton of pancakes. He's stacking pancakes on that tape when he's out there. Very, very explosive. I know he's kind of built like Michael on Wenu, but when I watch him play and, and Brandon Thorn use the same comp when I when you watch him play, Shaq Mason is I think more the playing style that you see with him. Obviously, an absolute ceiling comp there that he turns into Shaq Mason, but as a puller as a blocker on the move, as a guy that can move his feet, connect, and then really have some sturdy blows with his blocking. Uh, I really like Hines. I think he's going to be uh, one of those sixth round finds for the Patriots. And he's got some versatility on the inside too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think the Shaq made, and he told us actually after he got picked when we were talking to him that, that Shaq Mason is somebody he watched a lot yeah. when he was in high school and in early on in college to try to model this game after. So that, that kind of tracks. I, I, I don't hate the Michael and when comp though, in terms of like where he was, where when right. Wenu was coming out, right? Not Michael and yeah. now, but where Michael and was, when he came out of Michigan versus uh, where Hines is now, I I, I think that kind of lines up like on when he was probably playing a little too heavy in college and he's lost some weight and that's going to help his mobility. Yeah. He, he could be in the mix. He could be in the mix, especially if they end up, like, if Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn can't play 17 games, if they need to move Michael and Wenu out to tackle again, I think Hines could be in the mix at guard. I really do at right guard. So, I like this pick. This is, to me, textbook textbook Patriots late day three lineman pick. Yeah. Good size, good motor, good football IQ. He just needs his technique to be shored up. They'll coach him up. Like, that's, that's what they do on day three. And you could say the same thing about Stuber, too, kind of. This is what they do on day three, like Jason Hines. I, I wrote this before they took him. I wrote this when they were at the LSU Pro Day. Textbook late day three Patriots offensive line pick.
0: Yeah, I think the other good thing about Hines, and I, I don't really think that it's so much that the kid can't play or the kid has technique issues. He just had weight issues and injury issues at LSU. And if you get him in the program and you keep his weight down and you keep him motivated and you keep him on the field then I don't really see any reason why he can't develop into a starter down the line for them on the line. And in a lot of ways, and I don't, we'll talk about the big picture here in a second. We got one more to go, but this is exactly why I just keep on coming back to Cole strange. Like this is a guy in the sixth round that I think can project down the road into a starting guard, as long as they keep his head on right and they keep him his weight down. And and this is why a first round guard just bugs me so much, but we'll get to that in a second. Andrew Stuber. In the seventh round at two forty-five, I I think we might have had a mock with him in there. I my very first mock draft had Andrew Stuber in the sixth round to the Patriots. Just another one of those you mentioned that Hines is kind of like a perfect day three Patriots offensive line pick. Stuber is the same thing at Michigan. Their whole motto was run the run the damn ball right. They're a run yeah. first downhill scheme at Michigan. He's a power blocker. He's nearly six foot seven. He's three hundred and twenty-five pounds. They are big, big, he's a big, big dude and he can power and he can run block. And some of the issues that he has with getting the corner turned on him and and inability to really get out to pass rushers and cut off the corner on pass rushers, especially guys that line up at like wide nine or seven technique. Those issues the Patriots have worked out in the past, right? They've had slower footed tackles at right tackle specifically in the past, like Marcus Cannon, like Mike Onwenu, and they coach around it, they scheme around it, they give him some help, uh, they put the tight end over there, uh, whatever the case may be, and they get away with it, and Stuber can still come downhill and run block with the best of them. Yeah, and he can he can play all four spots. Um,
1: yeah, he's, some to people,
0: be, he's a little tall for guard, but some people think that maybe he can play some guard just because of the power. He's not he doesn't have like one great trait, but he's good at everything. Yeah.
1: And I don't know that like he might be at his ceiling right now. He's, he's on the older side. He's kind of maxed out in terms of his frame, but right. The guy who's good at everything with that versatility, there's value in that. You know, you need that guy plug and play him. When you have an injury, how many times have they had to rework their whole offensive line to accommodate for injuries? Stuber is the guy pretty much. If you lose somebody on the offensive line, you can plug him in. You feel confident. he will give you a solid game or two. So Uh, You know, they've kind of been looking for that guy since they lost Adrian Waddle. I say this all the time that that heading into that 2019 season, Adrian Waddle was an understated loss because you have the whole Marshall Newhouse saga and on and on and on. There's value in that true swing tackle. It's a harder position to play than people realize. I think that that um, uh, Stuber has that
0: that kind of can fill that role. Okay. So now that we've covered all 10 picks of the draft, I want to get your final thoughts, Alex, on just the draft as a whole. I, I do have one question for you that I see uh, just to kind of kick this off. And, and you've mentioned it a couple times to age. Age has been yep. a big point that people have made that the Patriots draft certainly skews a little bit older. Now I'm not as caught up on age as a lot of other people are. I think the one thing that you really have to remember is a lot of these guys had to transfer. A lot of these guys dealt with the COVID season and had an extra year of eligibility. So in general, across the board, the entire draft was old, right? Yeah. So, th- you know, I think we're getting a little bit caught up in this guy's 23, that guy's 24. Everybody is 23 in this draft. There's not a whole lot of 21, 20 year old rookies in the 2020 class or uh, 2022 class, excuse me. So I think that that's a really important point that's getting missed in this age discussion is the guy they probably could have drafted instead of the guy that they ended up drafting the guy you wanted instead of the guy they ended up drafting. That guy's probably 23, 24 years old too. So I I, want to make sure that that point is out there, but how much of a factor do you think that it is or how much do you care that some of these guys are a little bit older? I think you worry about it more on the offensive line.
1: Just because those guys are retiring so young now. Some guys are retiring at 29, yeah. 30 years old. So, you know, how long is Cole Strange really going to be in the NFL? That, that to me, is the biggest concern about that pick. And that's a reason, I think, why they had him lower. If it's something the Patriots don't care about, then it makes sense to take him in the first round. I think if he was younger, there, there is a case to be made that he's maybe not a late first round pick, but early to mid-second. And then they, you know, it, on the consensus board, you reach 10 picks at the end of the first round for the fifth year option. That's not that big of a deal. That's really not. You're not looking twice at that. It does become a mean. So with that, you know, some of the other ones, Marcus Jones is 23. I, Thornton's the one young guy. I think Thornton's 21. But like you said, it was an older draft as a whole. They've hit on older picks in the past. Mac Jones was 23. Kyle Duggar was 24. Um, right. It just means they got to keep having good drafts Sebastian
0: back a ways was 25 year old rookie.
1: Right. I just, I just meant recent history, but you gotta, yeah. you, you gotta keep churning these out now because these guys aren't necessarily like, are you going to give Cole strange a second contract? If he plays under his fifth year option, he'll be negotiating a second contract at 30 years old as an offensive guard. Right. So right. you gotta keep the pipeline going. You gotta keep it. Just it's, it, it, it's, it's, I, I can't decide if it's high risk, high reward, or, or lower. Like you you get better players when you draft older players. It's just the reality of it. The guys are more physically developed, right? People develop until they're 23, 24, 25 years old. You draft somebody right. who's 21, not only is he going to grow technically as a football player, he's going to get bigger. He might get faster, stronger, whatever. You're getting guys who are maxed out right now, and there's value in that. The flip side of that is they're going to be gone sooner. So you got to keep the pipeline stocked. So I don't okay. hate it. I, I, yeah. I don't like it or hate it. I think that there's arguments to be made both ways. They did it. Uh, I think that also maybe hints that Bill is seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think yeah. maybe there's a little bit. That of, was what I was
0: going to mention was just. Right. And I, like, I hate
1: getting into this, but it's, it's maybe, a factor. Maybe he doesn't care about the 10-year projection. Maybe yeah. he cares about the five-year projection. And Cole Strange is a better pick for the five-year projection than a guy like Bernard Raymond, who's not going to play right. for a year or two. So that's, and, and yeah. And how often do they give guys second contracts? So I, I understand why they did it. I, we, again, I could go back and I'm kind of debating myself now on it. I could do this for hours. It's a, to use your, your, your phrase, it's a flavor thing. It's a flavor thing. How do you want to go
0: about it? This is how they wanted to go about it. I think you kind of hit it there at the end of why I'm, I'm really don't care about this. The first one, four or five years down the line, I think Bill is, he's 75. Right. So we're right. really starting to talk about whether or not he's even going to be here. He's 70 right now. I'm saying four or oh, five years, I get Okay, yeah, I get 74, 75. So I don't really think he's really thinking about is how old is Cole Strange going to be at the end of his rookie contract? I, I don't really think he cares. Right. right. The second thing that I'll say about it. In order for it to matter how old they're going to be on their second contract, you have to be saying to yourself that you're actually going to pay the guy on his second contract. And he's actually going to be here beyond beyond his rookie contract. And, and I hope that these guys pan out to the point where they want to pay them on their second deals, but let's face it. If Tyquan Thornton goes out there and has three seasons of a thousand yard seasons, and he's going to be a $25 million wide receiver. I, I hope that's definitely the case. Right. But let's say he does it. Right. Let's say he hits the ceiling. That happens. Are the Patriots going to be the team that's going to give him the bag? So, that, to me, is I think, where the factor is in here. it's it's one, we'll worry about the second contract when we get there. Let's see if the kid's any good first, and two, it's, you know, bill is is in a window right now, right? And that that, I think is uh, that they need to they're addressing it, really? they're they're yeah. seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. okay. Let's uh let's get your favorite pick of the draft. I think you might have already mentioned it. I mentioned mine's Pierre Strong, but I'll go for, with a different one. I want to give favorite picks of the draft. I want to give uh, then a, a last, uh, put a bow on it and wrap it up here on, on the draft as a whole. But who's your favorite pick of the draft? We're not going to do UDFAs. Uh, oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And UDFA. favorite UDFA as well.
1: Uh, my favorite picks Marcus Jones. I just, I I think he has the highest ceiling. I think he could be in, I haven't seen a lot of guys play slot corner the way he plays it. and. That's really exciting to me. The the concept of a ball hawking slot corner, especially the way the league is trending now with these Tyree Kill kind of players, right? These speed slots. So um I love that pick. I'm high on the Taekwond Thornton pick, too. I'll say it. I, hey, that was I they moved a don't, little don't bit. I don't mine. care. All right, fine. Um, all right. So go sorry, I spoiled yours. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay.
0: My my favorite pick is Tyreek. I really Thornton. didn't think you would like Taekwond Thornton. I really no. didn't think you'd like him. I still need to see on the field that he's going to translate to the Patriots' offense, right? That's my biggest concern with Tyquan Thornton: is right. the limited route tree, the lack of ability at the top of the route. That is where I'm concerned of. Okay, where is he fit? How do they turn him into more than Nelson Aguilar was last year, or Philip Dorsett was, or Demir Bird was? Right, they need to get more out of him than those players were in this Patriots' offense. How do they get him there? Is going to be a big question, but. I think that the other thing that I look at with Taekwon Thornton, first of all, the release at the line of scrimmage gets me gets me giddy about him because the Patriots have not had somebody that explosive and had that's had that ability to move laterally off of press coverage, you know, maybe ever like that I've seen at least with uh, covering the yeah. team, right? I, they don't really have guys on their roster that can crossover guys at the line of scrimmage get up the field and blow past people like that's not that skill set doesn't really exist too much with the Patriots so I like I, the, but the main reason beyond his tape and beyond his evaluation the main reason why I like Tyquan Thornton and I love the pick so much is they took a swing at wide receiver in the top 50 they took a chance on a guy that has some upside they finally did it like I think that the last couple of drafts because they took Nikhil Harry in the first round. They stayed away from wide receiver as all this wide receiver talent entered the league. All these guys come in in 2020 and 2021. They're stars. They're solid uh, role players. They're starters. You know, even a guy that's not Jamar Chase, like a like a, a Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, right? Would have been a great right. fit here. You know, these guys are all coming in. And the Patriots finally took a swing on one of these guys that's coming in. I, it's not the guy I necessarily would have taken. I would have been all over Sky Moore at that point in the draft. But the point is, is that they took a swing. They took a, a, an opportunity with a guy and they recognized two things about the evolving, uh, the evolution of the league. The first thing that they recognize is that you need wide receivers. You need to grab these guys. You need to take a chance on one of these guys in the draft. The second thing that they notice is that they need speed. They need to be yeah. faster and drafting the four, four, five. 40 yard dash guy is not helping them do that. So they took us, they took a fast guy. They took a receiver. Out of all the things that I can kind of wrap around my head with this draft in general, because I didn't love the draft to begin with. If they hit on Taequann Thornton, then I think the rest of the draft is all gravy after that. And I think that's why I like the pick so much. Uh, I
1: would say they have to hit on Thornton and Strange. Those are the two guys. They really need to nail those picks. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. You want to do the VFAs? Favorite UDFA. Well, let, let's 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 have a quick rundown of each of them. Quick rundown of each of them. Okay. I, I can't give on just one. So, the Eric King, obviously very interesting. Uh, six-year college player, record-setting high school quarterback in, in the state of Texas, transferred to Houston, was behind a couple guys on the depth chart, played wide receiver, was a decent wide receiver, became a quarterback, had one good year of quarterback, and then he's been hurt a ton. I think they turned him into a wide out. I think they turned him into a wide out and a practice squad quarterback. He's a fun ball carrier. You got, you got a thought on Derek King or?
0: Yeah, I think he's a wide receiver convert. I also think that while they're working with him on converting to wide receiver, that scout team quarterback might be a really valuable tool. I see Derek King as a player. That's probably going to be on the practice squad next season. And that I think is going to be valuable to them. They have to be able to have A guy on the practice squad, a quarterback that has a little bit of an arm like De'Aaron King does, he's got a huge arm. It's accuracy and all the other things that that they have to be concerned about Uh, in terms of quarterback play. I think De'Aaron King, don't sleep on the fact that De'Aaron King can then go out there and mimic some of these athletic QBs that they're going to face on their schedule every single year. Uh, I think that that's a nice little factor here, especially with the UDFA.
1: Brendan Schooler, I do not know how I miss this guy. For all of my nonsense about Jared Bernhardt and, and Troy Anderson changing positions and Jordan Jordan Myers from Rice, Brendan Schooler was a wide receiver at Arizona for four years, transferred to Texas, started playing safety, two-time Pac-12, all-Pac-12 special teamer, ran a 4 4 at his combine. Evan, we, we talked a lot. They needed to restock the special teams unit. They lost Brandon King. They lost Brandon Bolden, Nate Ebner a couple years ago. Matthew Slater is going to be on the way out soon. This guy, this is this is the guy that's going to fill that role. This guy's going to come in. I said to somebody last night, I don't know if you saw the picture of what he looks like. Yeah. He's got like the long hair and like just the grizzly look. This dude's going to cover the hell out of some kicks.
0: Yeah, special team or kind of Nate Ebner-ish, dare I say, right? Um, you know I no, think he's got he's, a little bit of that in there. I think he's more, he's faster. I think he's more on the outside.
1: Okay, I don't enough. know that he, he's somewhere between a gunner and an interior player. I'm not exactly sure what his role will be. He might end up being a gunner. Um, really interesting one, Lebron Ray, Alabama defensive lineman. Was yes. he six 6'5"? five? Yeah, 6'5", 282. Can play all you know all along the defensive line. Draftable talent. He just gets hurt too much. He played thirty one games in five years at Alabama. He plays when he's on the field. If he stays healthy, they have a starting caliber player in the NFL. And if he doesn't stay healthy, he's a UDFA, so be it.
0: Yeah, heavy hands, two-gapping defensive end, block out, shed, build the wall, right? You know, those are all the kind of yeah. cliches that I could use with a guy like LeBron Ray. And that's, that's what they need. That's what they want. That's what they need at that position. And I think the one thing – look, I – the one part that I think in this draft in general, and this was going to kind of be my wrap up point. So maybe I'll, I'll yeah. hold off on it. All right, go okay. ahead keep going with the UDFAs.
1: Uh, Cody Rusi, center from Houston transfer from Louisiana tech 60 career starts in college, pretty much all at center. I think he started like two or three games at guard um, experienced offensive lineman. Love it. Yeah. They, this dude's going to be here back and forth from the practice squad and the roster for like 10 years. James nice Ferentz. Players. Yeah, exactly. James Ferentz. Love that. Uh, Demarcus Mitchell, defensive end from Purdue might be an outside linebacker really kind of wasn't on the radar till last year. He had, uh, I have the numbers here, Five and, uh, half four and a half sacks, four yeah. and a half sacks in nine games. Yeah. It's really all he's done. He doesn't have much before that. He was a Juco guy, but a player on the rise. I'll take that.
0: That's, that's a good look. I don't yeah. know if you kind of watch him at all. I didn't get to see. Yeah. He's on. got a little bit of juice in the pass rush from what I've seen, right? He's okay. got a little bit of a first step. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they obviously feel pretty good about their linebacker group and their edge group. And that's why they didn't go there, or address that in the draft. So maybe this guy is somebody that can bring some juice there in terms of upside.
1: Liam Shanahan, Marlboro, mass native uh, transferred from Har- after three years at Harvard to LSU, five-year starter, again, versatility experience on the
0: interior of the offensive line. Pretty much. That's it. Well, yeah, okay, he was that's kind that's of cool. the, the unsung hero of that 2019 offensive line at LSU. Uh, a lot of, you know, teammates, people like that really like the kid, right? Yeah. A high, high character kind of guy, um, you know, just a Patriot type of player. He's going to come and bring his lunch pail and, and do the right things. And then finally, your guy, he's Here we go. Michigan punter, Jake Julian. I,
1: I think we should call him the punt God. I don't believe that nickname is taken. I don't believe anybody is using that. So Jake Julian, okay. the punt God, you want to talk about punters getting drafted high. The 31st overall pick, Evan. Did you know this before I say it? Yeah, I'm going to drive you up the wall with this stat. Jake Julian was the 31st overall pick in the 2021 Canadian Football League draft. He had 270-plus yard punts last year. First player in school history to do that. Kicked on the banks, eastern Michigan. That's bad weather, all of it. Big leg. We'll see. I don't know that he beats out Bailey. He might be like, put him on the practice squad for a year, and then he's the guy next year. But... Again, I I think we should call him the punt god. I I like the the, the way that nickname sounds. I don't believe it's being used. Jake Julian, baby. 31st. You want to talk about value. You know how they talk about, well, this team had him valued at this pick, and we got him at this Mm -hmm. pick? An Mm -hmm. entire league had Jake Julian valued as the 31st overall pick in their draft, and the Patriots got him undrafted in their league. I'm being facetious, but anyway. (laughs)
0: That's value. One league, thirty. Value, baby. On the punter, on draft they finally got, they got some value on this draft on the punters. Yeah, good question. in The chat, Alex, is he left footed? I actually don't know. Alex. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I. I Evan, it was like eleven in the morning when I looked last. <laughs> I'm day. just kidding with he you. He is right footed. Right footed. Oh no, nope. That's that. But he is he,
1: also from uh, Barry, Ontario. Which there's a Bruins player from there, and I can't remember who it is right now.
0: All right, so there you have it. There's your UDFA's. I'm not going to give you any sort of analysis on them. No, the I, want, analysis, I want, I want
1: i want a Jake Julian take from you, Evan.
0: I think it tells us that Jake Bailey is the guy, and we were maybe a little bit overrating that as an area the team is going to address in the draft. That's what I think, because right. they had multiple shots at taking Matt Horizon, were just out on it right so if they really wanted a punter they they easily could have gotten matterized at multiple points in the draft and they had they were not going there so clearly we they think very very highly of jake bailey as they probably should right like i mean he's a a good punter so they they probably should and, and that's where we're at all right let's put a bow on it give me your final take about the draft I don't want to call it a grade because I hate draft grades. I think they're stupid. I mean, I didn't do
1: that this morning. I already have one, so whatever.
0: Yeah, there's. I, I kind of had one too, but I didn't put an actual grade on it because I'm. I, I copped out. So give me a, give me a final assessment of the draft. Let's call it that. Yeah,
1: I, I kind of said this earlier in the show, and it's what I keep going back to. At the end of the day, the NFL draft is about adding good foot, good players to your football team. I I can safely, I feel like confident saying. Seven or eight of the 10 picks, I feel like they added guys who are NFL talents, whether that be starting caliber talent, backup caliber talent, guys who are, are NFL players. Um, and I know that's, well, shouldn't they all be NFL players? That's not always the case. That's rarely the case, that 100% of the players you draft are NFL talents. I feel confident that they, they got them. Um, the legacy of this draft is going to be who they didn't take. It's going to be looking at Daxton Hill. It's going to be looking right. at Quay Walker. It's going to be looking at Khalil Shakir, um, guys like that, and in, in wondering what could have been. Um, and we do that in New England, right? The 2019 receiver class. How often do we talk about that? So I, that that's where I, I think ultimately you have to be happy with it because they added good players and that's really all you can ask for. But we're going to be doing a lot
0: of roster watching over the next four years. So my concern with the draft is still the same as what I wrote yesterday. I am just concerned about the ceiling of the draft in general. I think that they hit a lot of singles here. I think they got on base ah. on a lot of these picks. And- I'm just concerned. If I have any concern, I think that's where it's at is which one of these guys is going to be a 10 year cornerstone on the roster. Which one of these guys is going to be, are we going to say, Oh, well that, you know, that guy had a, a borderline Patriot hall of fame career, which one of these guys is going to be a foundational pillar of the rebuild after the draft last year, when they, I get that a quarterback's a quarterback and it's different right. when you're talking QBs, but even a pick like Barmore. Barmore, as long as they keep paying him it i right. think is going to be a patriot for the next 10 to 15 years and is gonna we're gonna look da- back on his career as i don't want to say richard seymour because he's a hall of famer but you know as one of these great patriots d linemen, right and i don't know if this group has that guy unless Tyquan thornton is gets there unless Tyquan thornton hits maybe cole strange could do that as well but i feel like cole strange is one of those Joe Tooney, Shaq Mason level linemen, which is a great player, but I, he's not Logan Mankins. Right. So I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 with the draft. I just think Thornton and Marcus Jones are both such high upside picks. I like Marcus Jones too. I don't know if, it, but maybe, I don't know. I, I, he's a slot corner. He's five foot eight. I, I just don't know if the ceiling so, is at, at that size in that position, He's not an outside corner. He, does you know, his size is going to cap him a little bit and limit him a little bit. But yeah, I hear you. I He's an explosive player, and, and he's going to contribute in multiple ways. So I, I see what you're saying. I just, I, I think, is I, isn't if there a path to, to Marcus Jones becoming the Troy Brown version of on defense? Right? Like, is he? Could he be right. a corner Troy Brown?
1: So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Let's say he houses one kick a year and is their starting slot corner for eight years. I'd call that foundational.
0: All right. All right. Well, fair enough. I I just again I, I have some concerns about. I, I'm not even caught up necessarily in the value thing. I know everybody looks at oh well I'm not, the, the picks can, are made at this point. It doesn't matter. Right. The consensus board had them here. The consensus board had them, that. That really doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. It right. doesn't. It didn't even matter in the moment. I think we all overrated all of that to so, begin with.
1: Yeah. So actually, let me let me let me give this as a walkaway. Remember last year after the draft. I said the big, my big thing that I learned from that draft was that it's nature versus nurture as much as we want to talk about, you know, is this player good? Is this player bad? A lot of it's fit. Right. The lesson for this, the lesson for this draft is F the boards. Yeah. All it takes. If 31 teams and everybody in the media and all the wannabe media and if, if everybody in that group has a player as a fourth-round grade, but one NFL GM thinks he's worth taking in the first round, then he's a first-round player. All it takes is one team to right. value a player in the first round or, or anywhere on the board, right? It's not about the consensus. It's who of the 32 NFL GMs is the highest grade on him. That's ultimately what his value is. And I, I, I just think – shout out to the one guy – on NFLMockDraftDatabase.com, who had Cole Strange going 28th in a mock draft. Uh, I think we may need to invite that guy on for mock draft next year because he clearly has the right idea. But um, the boards don't mean anything. The yeah. boards don't mean anything. If one team values a player highly, then he's a highly valued player. So the,
0: I've mar- come the market,
1: on- sorry, well, the market sets the value. The value does not set the market. Fair enough. One more thing,
0: and I, I-, I might have got that backwards. I don't know. Uh, okay, Gordon Gecko. Go. I, I, I've come around to most of the of the draft in general. I, I've kind of stomached it and whatever. I, I think the biggest thing I, I also mentioned that I, I feel a little bit weary about that they, they didn't get any better in the front seven in this draft. They didn't even draft a front seven player until the sixth round, and that was Sam Roberts, right? So they clearly feel really, really good. And I guess maybe this is a, a discussion that we can have in future shows, right? About right the outlook of the roster now they feel really, really good ab- about their linebacker group Cameron grow and Raquan McMillan coming back from injuries, giving guys like Uche a chance to play. I think they feel Ronnie really good Perkins. about that, but the, yeah, but the point is Perkins. Yep. Ronnie Perkins. The point is, is that they were 25th against the run last year and their run defense didn't get any better. Right. So that, that does concern me. The other thing is draw Mayo talked about, we got to get faster. We got to get more explosive on defense. They didn't, they didn't really do that either. Right. So oh,
1: they drafted Marcus Jones, Marcus Jones, explosive player. You could say guess. that into I, enough, but they did. I'm to,
0: I think Gerard was talking more about linebackers cause he's a linebackers coach. And okay. That's, that's right? fair. So, that's fair. Yeah. Right. So that was the one thing I, I thought as well, that I was a little bit of a head scratcher, but overall I am coming around to the draft. And at this point, we're at the point where we just got to say, look, the draft is what the draft is, and let's get these kids in, into camp and into the preseason, and let's see what they're made of, right? I mean, the Patriots are clearly high on the, a lot of these guys that they picked. Uh, Mack really went to bat for Cole Strange and Taquan Thornton on Friday night after the, the yeah. day two of the draft. He really pounded the table for those guys, and you saw some conviction with those picks. So we'll see what ends up happening. I, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and willing to uh, see what these guys do. All right, we're uh, T-minus an hour and 20 minutes until the Celtics out. So you you have a real quick Celtics prediction for the people.
1: Oh, I think the Chris Middleton injury ends up being a big deal. I'm going Celtics in six.
0: All right, Celtics in six. I I had Celtics in seven last night on uh, the end of the stream. John asked me this question as well. So I'll I'll stick with Celtics in seven, but I also think Chris Middleton will end up being a big factor. But you can go ahead and check out – Team player here, Alex. You can go ahead and check out uh, Celtics, Company, man. Uh, Celtics CLNS coverage. Uh, with the Celtics guys, uh, Celtics coverage on their YouTube channel over there. They do a fantastic job covering the team. They have streams just like we do here on Patriots Press Pass, recapping games right after the game and things like that. Uh, Garden Report, one of the best in the biz at uh, on uh, postgame. So go ahead and check out the Garden Report, guys. Shout out Bobby Manning and the team over there. And uh, they're going to have you covered for the uh, Celtics playoff run in the Bucks-Celtics series. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going on Tuesday. So, uh oh, cross no. my fingers that the jinx is over, Alex. Right? Oh
1: no! Um, let me just say we wrap it up. This is uh, this is four drafts. Now we've worked together. Yes. Going back to twenty eighteen. Are you about
0: to get sentimental on me? No,
1: it's been a pleasure. I just want to say four. We've oh, done four drafts together. We missed twenty twenty. I, I wasn't working at the time, but um, yeah. And 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 a huge thank you to everybody who followed along both here my 98 five stuff. Um, I love this time of year because it's so interactive. Y'all make it great. So I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Here, here with
0: that. We really appreciate everybody that watched us that joined the mock draft sh- shows. That joined all the preview shows for the draft and all that kind of stuff, and watched us on the streams here during the draft. Patriots beat in also on the streams with the live pick, uh, takes and stuff like that. We really appreciate all of you for doing that. And yes, Alex, it, even working with you has been an honor and it's been a, a pleasure. I'm glad that we still get to do this. You know, obviously, Alex yeah. is. Uh, full-time now at 98.5. So I'm glad that we still get to uh, be able to do the uh, the podcast here with each other and, and still get to uh, have take some, one day we're going to have our own radio show. That's what I'm saying. One day we're okay, going to so. have, it's going to be the Barth and Lazar show here in Boston. So I you really, uh, right. I, I really uh, appreciate you still doing this with me and I appreciate everybody still uh, watching us and following along over the last three days. It's been a long three days, but it, it's over and uh, now we uh, move on to, Mini camp and OTAs, uh, end of the month. It's already May, yep. right? May 1st today. So, uh, in a couple weeks, May 25th or 24th or 26. something like
1: that.
0: 26th. 26th. I'm totally off. Uh, 26th, we are going to get to go to the first OTA practice of the offseason for the Patriots. Uh, mandatory mini camp is what, June 7th through the 9th, I want to say, or something like that, right? First uh, week or uh, early on in June. I I remember that. June 7th through the 9th, I think, is what it is and uh we will uh be there both alex and i will be there we'll have patriots be podcast recapping the days and the workouts that we get to see and uh then it's away the we go so it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to still have you covered even though the draft is over it's a uh, bittersweet i you know it's been a long haul so I, i'm ready to sleep for like three straight days but yeah. it's also um bittersweet because we love this time of year and we are uh you know now we got to start all over for 2023, right? That's, that's the game. So uh, thank you so much. Henry Toho
1: Toho to to Marvion Overshown. There you go.
0: 2023. Yeah, there you go. And uh, thank you so much for everybody for watching. Uh, The numbers have been just blowing me away last couple of days and we really appreciate it. And uh, we uh, will see you guys next week. We're not going anywhere. So, so don't uh, tune out on us. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. And thanks so much for, following all of our draft coverage. And for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar, and we'll see you guys on Tuesday.